Alright, welcome guys to the MMOs.com podcast. Episode 167 here, Altai, joined by... Omer. Alright, and we are back for the podcast. We missed Grindfest Friday once again. Uh, it's something we've been missing pretty often recently, but we're here for you on Tuesdays. So what's going on? Always on Tuesdays. So what's going on this week? We've, I've, been, I've been playing a lot of Final Fantasy XIV, as most of you probably guessed. I am an addict. Uh, I have been showering uh, regularly and fapping regularly for those concerned. So I'm not as addicted as I was before. I'm on the last fight of the last four fights being added to the game. So I'm almost done basically with no lifing it. And I'll be back to a little more more of a sensible schedule where I'm not just literally playing 14 plus hours a day soon. What about you, Altai? What have you been up to? Well, I am in sunny Vancouver at the moment. Flew in last night. Kind of... Slightly disrupted my WoW schedule, but not by much. I'm, I'm actually kind of uh, burning out a little. Like, I'm just logging in for my checklist now. Mm. I'm not like... I used to be so addicted, I was doing every single world quest. Or not not just the four you got to do every day for your emissary, but literally every single one on each map. Uh, so that, those days are gone. Like, I'm just kind of burnt out on that. Cool. Um, before before we start the podcast in our pregame, we were talking a bit about browser strategy games. I think I mentioned the fact that this uh, this game called uh, Guns of Glory, relatively obscure to me at least. I never even heard about Guns of Glory, but it's another Chinese-developed game by a company called TapFun, and it made $215 million in its first year of operation. And every time I read these crazy numbers, it just it bamboozles me, and I get sad because I read that this, this game makes more money than like what Final Fantasy XIV makes, like twice as much money as Final Fantasy XIV, and it's this really obscure, crappy, pay-to-win garbage game. And I well, think it comes back to our, you know, a conversation we've had a long time ago about like what kind of games people are interested in. And it's remarkable because these browser strategy games, these mobile strategy games, are actually remarkably successful in the United States. Whereas games like uh, Fake Grand Order, a lot of uh, like Azure Lane, a lot of these waifu collectors are much bigger in Asia than they are in America. So Fake Grand Order makes like 97% of revenue in Japan. It's got really hot waifus, great game. But I know you, you talk shit about a lot of those games, and you kind of defend... Um, you, you often have said that Asians have some really shitty taste sometimes, right? Yeah. So what do, you think about the, what, do you, what do you think about this, though? A lot of Americans prefer to play these awful pay-to-win strategy games, whereas in Japan, these games are still... They're, they're somewhat big, but they're not as big as they are in America. These games make the most money in America versus Japan, where all the games like Fake Grand Order and the waifu collectors make more money. I mean, personally, I think... I mean, I'm not a huge fan of either genre, right? But I'd much rather play a hot waifu collector where I can at least like fap to the really hot characters, and I've been playing any of these awful strategy pay-to-win games. What about you, Alta? Which well, do you prefer? Look, it's a case of how do you defend it. It's a case of pick your poison. So I don't defend it. Um, just because I, in my opinion, the Japanese have bad taste with the waifu collectors does not necessarily mean the garb- garbo humans who play mobile games in America or the West have good taste when they pick games like this. So they they can both suck for you know, for very different reasons, and they do both suck for very different reasons. But I'm glad you mentioned that because I think I have a great way to bridge the East-West divide. Why don't I make a really uh-huh. shitty waifu collecting strategy game? Boom. Combine it. I like it. Instead of Lancers, you got like double deers. They, they, they fight with their breasts, you know, like the, those are their spears. And then you have like, you know, mages or whatever that are like you know, loincloths. There you go. You build a base, like a waifu base, waifu harem. But, but you have long criticized that, like, uh, you said, you know, Japanese and Asians have really shitty taste. But how do you feel about American taste then? Because American taste is, 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 I would say, you know, is equally as bad or worse. Yes. 
Uh, a different kind of bad taste, yes. Look, I, I would actually defend the gameplay and the design of a waifu collector. No, I wouldn't. Over bad. a strategy game. No, it, the, strat, the pay-to-win strategy game is infinitely worse. It's just a so. garbage concept that's completely unfair. Whoever pays more money wins right from the get-go. Whereas the mobile waifu collectors, for the most part, are largely single-player games, like co-op games, basically, where paying money, while it gets you ahead in the game, there's no competition with each other. Whereas... Strategy games are built completely on pay to win. There's no sense of fairness, and it's hot garbage. Wait, so okay, to defend that for a moment, right? At least in these games that you're seeing, at least you're paying to win at something. Whereas in the mobile, in those in those Wi-Fi collectors, you could literally open a Google Chrome window and search, you know, let's say freight grand order waifus, and just look at the pictures. And you've accomplished everything you will accomplish in the no, game. No, no. So I'll the tell, fact that you, you don't have the right mentality for a waifu collector game, okay? You have to own the waifus, all right? What? Why? Just, just when they're the... in your possession, there is an implication <laughs> that you're doing things to them, all right? You have them. They're yours. They, they're literally called. Get this, Altai. In Fake Grand Order, your waifus are called your servants. Your servants. Well, you know, they're your servants. Just make a just make now, a folder on your desktop. Game, whether the game mentions it or not, we all know what happens to servants, right? You know. You know what servants, their secondary role for female servants are, you know? Oh, boy. There's an implication. With the game, the beauty is the game never has to say it. Where other fake games kind of have said it, Fake Grand Order doesn't even say it at all. But we all know there's implication. The characters, you know, as they get stronger in the game, they get less clothing as well. So I would defend that quite a bit over the nonsense strategy games we've seen. No, I wouldn't. Because what you're describing, for what, for look, what, put taste aside, I, I have a hard time calling that a game. Right. At least as as bad of a game as these browser games are, your strategy games. At least you're spending a thousand dollars to like destroy the other guy's base, and he literally is set back. Right. Like he Those loses. Those are barely games. They're literally like Excel spreadsheets. There's, there's no game there. No, it's but, Excel Excel spreadsheet with a shitty UI on top of it. Yes, yes but but here's the thing: by spending money, you are reducing the Excel spreadsheet value of the other person's base. Like he goes from thousand to eight hundred on Excel but spreadsheet. I, I don't understand why you can so. In order to be a game, it's got to have like some kind of open PvP conflict. Like, like, like World of Warcraft, there's no like, uh, like full loot PvP. You know, when you kill someone in WoW, you don't get anything for it. If you kill someone in a lot of MRPGs, you usually get nothing for it either, or they don't lose anything. You know. I think I think an online game, especially, has to have some kind of uh, win state. And when you imply a win state, there must also be a lose state, right? You can't win if you can't lose. Well, in, in Fate Grand Order, or any of these waifu collectors, you know, you, you know, you can you, you cannot defeat the enemy. And you got to keep trying until you beat them. Well, that's like a, that's like a neutral then. You don't actually lose, do you? Do you, do you ever go backwards? Uh, not really, no. Okay, you, so, you lose stamina maybe for trying. So there's kind of a backwards thing over there. But that's a good point. Though. How important do you think it is to have uh, in a game to have a loose state? Because in my opinion, a game is different than like a Netflix show or something in the extent that there is a loose state. Because it, it, you, winning has no value if there's not also a, you know something called losing. We go backwards. Well, I mean, I'm 100% with you on that, which is why I think a lot of games have kind of like shied away too much from the lost state, where games have been trying to coddle players a bit too much. And I think, I think it's the worst thing you can do because you, you can make games easier, right? And I'm not against the concept of MMORPGs and gaming as a whole getting easier because even though, you know, I, I don't like games getting easier, I think it makes the, the genre more accessible. And it, clearly every game has done it for a reason. It works, it resonates with players, right? But if you when you start eliminating the lost state where there's no penalty for something, I think it's, that sends really weird signals to players and just kind of defeats the purpose of what a game is. You know, you have to be able to lose. You, you know, everything should have a decent consequence in a game. But with that in mind, I don't even want to get to MMOs. We're talking about specifically about these these games, these strategy games, these mobile games. I and like you said, I think a lot of these Japanese games that, by the way, are very successful, so they're do, they're doing a good job at whatever they're trying to do. 
I think, as you said, a lot of them are single-player games for all intents and purposes, with the possibility of like recruiting a random uh, person's character to help your party, right? Mm-hmm. That's the extent of multiplayer in these games for the most part, right? For the most part, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, at that point, uh, I don't even know what I'm paying for because there's not, there's not, I'm not paying for a game. I'm not interacting with other players. I'm well, ba- the single player, wait, the single player games are games, by the way. No, you know, no. and there's some co-op elements. Well, yeah, but a single-player game where you continuously are asked to make microtransaction payments, I feel is like... You don't have to. You can, you can play the game as a free-to-play user. I understand, but the fact that they're making so much money clearly implies that people are paying. Yeah, because right? people want people are paying because they want their waifus. It's yeah, remarkable because the games like Fake Grand Order, you don't even have to pay to actually beat the game. In fact, you can you can be a free... There are, there are people who, who completed the hardest content in Fake Grand Order... Uh, with basically using only three star characters in the game, like just a regular, like regular dudes in the game. So paying is completely optional, and it shows that, that people are the difference between, I guess, uh, the, the the mobile strategy games and Fake Grand Order. People are paying for the advantage in in mobile strategy games, but people are paying for the waifus in Fake Grand Order. You are paying almost purely for the waifus. Yeah, which I mean, to me, I, at that point, I don't feel like you're paying for a game. You're just paying for those gifts or, or JPEGs. Yeah. Yeah, which which is weird to me. But I think the law stay is very important for MRPGs as well. I think MRPGs as a whole, you know, have really like while they've gotten easier on the high end and difficulty, they've also kind of removed their 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 law stay. Though you've said you've been playing a lot of World of Warcraft and repair costs are actually quite a bit higher this season. This this expansion, it feels really high. So there's actually a bit of a loss over there. You said after every night of raiding, you got some decent repairs to take care of. Oh yeah, it's, it's I'm actually I was actually shocked, you know, because for the past 14 years I've been hearing from people. That WoW is getting easier, it's casual, it's, you know, nonsense, yada, yada. And obviously, they, they have a lot of features that make it a lot more accessible today. Mm-hmm. But I was surprised at the fact that the, the repair costs were still so high relative to the money you earn by making, av- you know, gameplay features. Like, I, I know in Final Fantasy, you're very wealthy because of your gambling situation. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you just, if you're an average player who just plays the game, you kill the orcs or whatever, you know, you're just playing the game, you're going to, if if you if you wipe for like a one night of raiding, you're gonna have to spend the next day, all day, uh, you know, grinding quests, grinding mobs, just to make up the gold you lost. Like it's not, it's not a, it's not an inconsequential amount of gold. You know, you will have to spend a day dedicated to making gold so you can raid that night. I think that's really good for um for for uh, World of Warcraft. I think Final Fantasy XIV quite has that. Uh, there's almost no penalty for losing. Your gear gets broken as well, but it costs almost nothing to repair it. I mean, no one's that poor in the game where repair costs are an issue. Yeah. It's unfortunate because I think it, it is good, it is good to have a gold sinks like that in more RPGs. And you know, uh, to be fair, I don't know how it will play out later in the expansion, uh, but right now, um, people are wiping to the new content. You know, it's gonna get easier and easier as people get better geared. But right now, you know, people are wiping and people are spending a lot of money on repairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, I, w- I want to talk a bit about what makes I think MMORPGs uh, very special and magical things. And it's uh, it sounds kind of cheesy, but uh, I I was playing Final Fantasy XIV the other night, and it kind of hit me as well because. I was essentially just just running around, hanging out with two friends in the game, right? And we're we're basically in some like story zone, just kind of just chilling. And some random person walks by, is doing their quest, and I start throwing snowballs at them in the game, right? Because there's there's an emote called like slash throw. If you're standing in snow, you'll throw a snowball at them. So I, I start throwing a few snowballs at them. I get their attention. I just start randomly talking to this guy, right? I'm like, hey, you know, this random guy that's doing this quest, right? He's like some low level character. He's just doing his thing, right? I'm like, listen. If you, if, if you can jump from this tower, I point to a tower. So if you can jump from on the top of that tower to this building, all right, it, in one try, I'll give you like one million gil in the game, right? And this guy's like, hell yeah, let's do it. So I take him to the top of the tower. He runs to the top. And he tries jumping. And he misses, so he doesn't get his million gil. And I'm like, all right, you know, you, you were really close, but you couldn't do it. But I'll tell you what, I'll give you a chance to win five million gil now, right, in Ooh. the game, which is actually a lot of money in Final Fantasy 14. 
yeah, how, how, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, right? So I take him somewhere where he's got to do these other challenges, and of course he fails. I make very difficult challenges in the game that are possible, and I'm trying, I'm, just, I'm, I'm having fun with this guy to just show him, like, do this shit, and then we, we essentially, like, us, us, like, four, just start randomly doing shit together, like, purely organically, which is, has nothing to do with the gameplay in Final Fantasy fourteen. Purely this, this emergent social, exper- like, like, interaction just, just happened. And that's not something I've seen in any other genre of games, where you can just literally be doing, like, nothing in a persistent world, and just bump it to somebody and just randomly do shit together. And I had a lot of fun. This guy had a lot of fun too. He was hanging out with us. I had, I had my friends list. So now I'm, I'm going to talk with this guy later. But I, think, I feel like this is a uniquely MMORPG experience, which you're not going to have anywhere else. And magical moments like that where you're not just doing quote unquote gameplay is, I think, what makes uh, like really good for that. And World of Warcraft is really good for that as well. I think one of the reasons World of Warcraft has done really well is because of all the shit you can do in the game outside of core gameplay. And has you know, led to these emergent experiences and these emergent social interactions. Now, you can't do that in League. You can't do that in Overwatch. When I'm playing Overwatch, when I'm playing League, when I'm playing Dota, when I'm playing CSGO, I'm playing purely CSGO. There's nothing else happening. There's no chance to do anything else besides play the game as defined. And the beauty of MMORPGs is they're, they aren't defined. You know, your goal isn't to kill the raids. There are people that play the game, plenty of people that never even raid the game. You know, some people purely collect pets. People purely do crafting, purely level up alts, purely play for story reasons. The beauty of MMORPGs is there is no goal. There is no, like, design element that says you have to do this. You can always do all this other shit. And whether that's just... And, and the social elements are really great, too. I, I, I had a very similar... Not not quite like that, but the, the tension of the open world, I think, is so important because... And while I have a, you know, I'm in the what you call war mode, which is you know PVP enabled, mm-hmm. and I'll run into someone. Like I have to do a quest, I have to kill this monster, and there'll be an alliance member who's the opposite faction killing the monster first. And when he sees me coming, he'll like he'll like move back a little. He's scared, you know, because mm-hmm. he's like fighting a mob. He's half health, but I'll like mm-hmm. wave at him, like okay, it's fine, like finish it off. I'll wave at him, then I'll start nuking the monster to help him, and he'll back off again. He thinks I'm nuking him, then he realizes mm-hmm. I'm helping him. Right? I kill him. He kills the monster. He gets his quest done. He like waves back at me. And he walks off, and then I start killing the Altai. monster. Altai. Altai. An enemy alliance player was doing some shit on your server, and you didn't kill him when you had a chance, when you could have ganked him with the monster? What the hell is wrong with I you? Mean, sometimes I gank Sometimes I kill him, right? But, like, the, the fact What do you mean that, sometimes? You should always kill him. Why should you ever help this asshole? Because, I'm, you know, because he, I, I want to see that reaction, because he thought I was going to attack him, but then he realized I was attacking the monster, so he was like... You know, like grateful and like relieved and i could just imagine and, and, I, I, and afterwards you should just kill him to surprise him like you help him right and he starts bowing and waving at you boom blast his ass you could, right? sometimes i probably would but like my point is i'm gonna receive any of that too sometimes like i'm finding a monster i see like two uh alliance guys come by and they'll wait for me to kill the monster rather than killing me when they could and i'm just yeah. like you know it keeps you on the edge of your seat in a way it keeps your you know it keeps you focused on the game so often in games even mmorpgs these days I'm playing at like five percent brain capacity, right? I'm watching a YouTube video. I'm like this, and like because nothing matters, right? But the fact that you know, if you're in open world in the PvP, uh, you have to actually focus and pay attention. It really keeps you engaged, and a lot of games just don't do that these days, especially like single player, like you know, games where it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I think Xenix also said something really great. Before I get to that, I want to say, um, Alpha, you're all about this immersion in MMORPGs, right? And you are playing for the Horde faction and a member of the enemy. Alliance, who's literally, they've been murdering the orc children, all right, slaying the Toron youth, and you are just laying them off easy. You're not even attacking them. I, I disagree. I think you know, if your favorite war movie, right, whatever it is, is is that you know, there's always a scene where let's say uh, one side you know surprises the other and catches them off guard, and they're like they're not armed even, and they just stare up at like the German soldier stares up, and like the one American guy like shakes his you know gun, he he wants to shoot but he can't, and the guy runs away. You know, like 
He lets him go. He lets him live. That's some pussy shit. I'll tell you. No, I, tell me it's human. Pussy shit? No, it's human. It's human. You know, it's easy to shoot a guy who's got a gun, right? But if, you know, if you catch a guy in his like, you know, underwear. Uh, Easy so- frags. What are you talking about? You jump on that shit. You go, boom, baby. I mean, sometimes you Easy do. It depends on your, you know, if you're in a rush or something. But uh, I- I've seen it happen way too often because I- when I was playing WoW too, I-, I always saw people not kill each other in WoW, which is really weird because like when I'm playing WoW, I'm going to kill them every single time. Fuck those guys. Like, if I could ruin their day, I'm going to do it. The game is built. The game is called Battle for Azeroth. And you know what you're doing, Altai? You're not battling for Azeroth. <laughs> You're going against well, the principles of the game, which I think is. By the way, I, we had this. I don't want to go back into this, but I think if you're playing a game the way it's meant to be played, you're not. You're just like a robot. Like you might as well not be playing. So the whole point of a game, uh, MRPG especially, is to kind of create your own reality around it. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, like I said, I don't always spare them, but the, the few the times I do, you, and I notice, observe their reaction. Uh, it's very satisfying for me. Mm-hmm. So Zenexile made a really good comment. Probably probably the best thing I read from Zenexile. He's, he's a character in our chat, but he said, a great MRPG is a place to go, not a thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that that really hits home, I think, because if I want a thing to do, I don't think MRPG is always great for that, but it's a great place to go and hang out and be in this world where you see your friends. You can do like, there's no set objectives. And I want I, I want that to be an MRPG. It's almost like, um, it's almost like, I view almost like MRPGs very often as like Discord, but with like, avatars and a lot more interactive shit to do so i still think mrpg is the perfect medium to be a to be both discord and gaming combined essentially and that's a place to go is, is the best way i can possibly you know nail it and i think world of warcraft mythology 14 uh, any of the big mrpgs do that really well however i think it's a big problem with um with games like vindictus games like uh critica games like soul worker where those aren't really places to go those are things to do they're much more rigidly defined games where you know, there is no persistent world. It's purely like a level-based game. You beat level one, you go level two, then level three. It's very linear. It's Even though MRPGs have linear progression as well, it's kind of in a persistent world. And I think that makes it much more you know, of a place to go. Whereas I would feel like games like Critica, DFO, and whatnot with, with the Instance Dungeons, Persistent Hubs, aren't real MRPGs. They're like more ML- lights, if anything. Okay. Uh, uh, did you read Nahu Sir Ujano's comment? That was very cool. Mm. Lol, it reminded me of when I was playing a solo PUBG. I took a car faster than other player, and instead of crushing him, I gave him a ride to the nearest loot zone. So can you imagine the tension for both players in that <laughs> game? You know, here's a person you, you can't really, you know, you, you don't know who he is, you don't know his intentions. He has to kill you at the end of the match, right? But this sliver of humanity he showed by giving the guy a ride to uh, where he can get guns, and then he drove, you know, like, knowing that he will potentially confront him one-on-one at the end right it's a beautiful mm-hmm. moment like that that's like a a cinematic moment like i know canary said earlier in saving private ryan the the i guess the good you know the group of people who spared the german uh it came to bite them in the ass later right but that's not the point the point is the humanity of it uh and i can just imagine a beautiful PUBG match like that where the guy you help out in the beginning you end up having to face him one-on-one uh mm-hmm. at the end you know room to room combat you know you're both just sweating uh that kind of connection you you only make in that kind of rivalry and that kind of competition. I've in all my time of playing PUBG, I've never seen someone from the from some other guy stop by and pick somebody up to get out of the red, get get out of the blue into the zone. Because in a situation like that, I would be too tempted to just kill the guy and take his vehicle, even if he's being nice to me. Look, that's my instant reaction. But it's really cool that that actually ha- like that can that can happen, right? Yeah. And that's another reason I think uh, PUBG is a really interesting take on FPS games and from a game design perspective, right? Whereas when you're playing Counter-Strike, you have a very rigid goal. You know, you just literally cannot win at any given... You can't let some guy walk by. Like, nobody in Counter-Strike is going to see an enemy 
wave to him and let him walk by. It's, it's never going to happen yeah. because the game isn't like designed like that. Whereas PUBG, it's still, it creates a lot of emergent experiences between players and skirmishes. And you don't have to kill that guy right then and there to win the game. And you can still help this guy. And I think that's one of the magical reasons why uh, Battle of Royale games have done so well over the years. It, it creates a new dynamic of gameplay where it's not just following the same rigid rules. It's more of a, a sandbox FPS game where there is an objective, but you, how you get to the objective at the end, it's kind of up to you, which is really cool. I'm uh, speaking of PUBG. I, I want to get into these numbers a little because mm-hmm. I still have friends that you know love PUBG. They play it a lot, but you know it, I I have rarely seen a game besides like Blast or something plummet mm-hmm. the way PUBG has been plummeting. So if you look at their you know current players online, two eighty five thousand, which is still not bad. I think it's number three on Steam at the mm-hmm. moment. But compare that to just like look, this is the past few months right here. So basically every month this year they've just been bleeding players like double digits every every month. It's mm-hmm. It is insane. It's an insane uh, bleed. Uh, they went from a peak of three million a day to you know just barely over a million a day, which a million a day peak is still insanely high. But if this trend continues uh, just for a few more months, you know it's gonna it's gonna hurt. It's insane. Like, what is going on here? I think, I think you mentioned that Fortnite still is adding players. They had like ninety million or eighty-one million a month active users, so they're still yeah. growing. Yeah, almost, almost eighty million, so seventy-something million. Uh, they said they had concurrent, uh, not concurrent, monthly active players. Yeah, and what's remarkable is the battle royale genre is, uh, you know, it still has legs. I think because we've seen uh, just this last week two new battle royale games launched. Two, not one, two. Uh, one's called Ring of Elysium. It's very much like uh, PUBG. It's by Tencent Games. I think we showed off before, but uh, the player base numbers are surprisingly strong on Ring of Elysium. There are about 15,000 players online. It's peaking 24 hours at 32,000, which is pretty incredible for a newly launched Battle Royale game. It's by Tencent Games, so it's got a pretty big backer behind it. But And, and in its core, it very much plays like PUBG. I think there's only one... Uh, well, there's a few key differences, which makes it a little bit different. Unlike, uh, I guess, unlike Fortnite and, and PUBG, where you kind of start with the, an airplane and you jump off somewhere. In uh, Ring Releaseum, you basically get to pick where you spawn. There's a map, and you just choose which grid you want to spawn in. And too many players can't spawn in one spot, though. So oh, you can see it's an occupied grid, so you can't spawn yeah. there either. So everyone just chooses where they spawn. And you know, there's like three different ways to, for mobility. You can get a glider. You can get like a snowboard. You get like a mountain pick. If you mountain pick, you can climb mountains. With the glider, you can glide off mountains. Snowboard, you go faster in the snow. So everyone's got some like built-in uh, like m- mobility through that system. So you get to choose where you spawn. The core gameplay is similar. You, know, you basically want to be the last one standing. But w- when the map gets really small, the goal of the game becomes to get to the escape helicopter. Get to the chopper. Whoever gets to the chopper wins the game, which is really cool. So it's not just, you know, the, you know you could actually win by killing nobody, which is really neat because it, it kind of reinforces that emerging gameplay we talked about earlier. You know, you can actually win this game by killing nobody. So make it to the chopper and you win. I haven't played this game yet. I know you have. I, I just read about it. And you're right. That's the one thing I really picked up on. I'm glad that finally the, the genre is going somewhere new because I, I feel like there's so much more potential than what we've seen in PUBG and Fortnite where you just literally just last man standing, you know? Mm-hmm. There's so many opportunities for co-op stuff. Um, that's really cool. Oh, actually, we talked about a prison break, uh, battle royal. That'd be great. Mm. You know, we can talk about it later sometime. Yeah, but like, like, like it's it's just really cool that you can actually win a game now, but without killing anybody. Yeah, you know, yeah. whereas like, wait, PUBG, the optimal place to always shoot somebody, right? But like, you could you know conceivably play a solo game of Ring of Elysium, bump it to another player, and just not kill him, right? Because you know, killing him doesn't necessarily get you close to the win. You get his loot, obviously, which helps. But like, you just have to make it to that that chopper when it when it spawns in the last place. And it's not on a circle either. So the map doesn't get closed, like doesn't close in the way it does in PUBG and Fortnite in a circle format. Instead, just areas of the map get like uh like not quite in a circle, but like connected areas of the map get like snowstorms. So you have to get out of those areas closer into one location to where the chopper is gonna spawn. It's a really cool concept of Battle Royale, I think, and, and it runs really well as well. 
So if you never, if you never played it, I mean, and you like PUBG, maybe give Ring of Elysium a try. It's like the free to play version. You know, it doesn't cost any money, and it's 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 something a little bit different. You know, kind of mix things up a bit. That's right. It's free to play. Uh, PUBG is still not free to play, which is I think amazing. Uh, and I know we talked about this in the in uh, before we streamed tomorrow, but do you know how many do you know how, do you know how many accounts for PUBG have been banned for hacking? Remember, PUBG accounts cost money. So they're not free. Yeah, it's like twenty bucks a pop, right? Yeah, well, thirty. Uh, but it's on 30 sale. Bucks a pop. It's, it goes on sale for twenty, I think. I don't, I'm not sure where it's at right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, so they have they have banned thirteen million accounts. Can you believe that? Holy shit! Thirteen million accounts banned for hacking. Let's say each of those. Let's say let's say each of those were for twenty bucks. I mean, yep. it's thirty bucks actually. So thirteen million times twenty. That's two hundred sixty million USDs worth of money was spent on accounts that got banned. That is absolutely nuts. Yeah, I'm, I'm showing here the top 50 best-selling games of all time. So number 50 on the list of top 50 is 15.6 million Pokemon Black mm-hmm. and White. And it's probably two, two games in one, right? Black and White? Yeah. But So it, it only goes up to 50. But, you know, 13 million is not far off this 15. So you got to put it this way. Just accounts banned on PUBG equals probably like the 70th best-selling game, game of all time. Oof. And I will climb. I honestly think they will obviously ban. If they ban 2 million more accounts, uh, that will be in the top 50 best-selling games. Just the number of banned PUBG accounts. You would think the fact that the game costs money would deter cheating, right? And, yeah. like, obviously, like, that's so many accounts that got banned for cheating. And people keep doing it. What is this drive to cheat in an online game? Like, yeah, maybe I'm older now, a little older, a little wiser. I, I don't really care about cheating in an online game. It defeats the purpose. But, like... Who are the people cheating games? Are they twelve year olds? Are they thirteen year olds? Because I, I I can't see it appealing to like adults. I think like, it's, what is it? What is the mindset of someone that cheats in PUBG or wants to cheat in PUBG? Again, it's fun to dick around with, but and but that fun is like such an immature like sense of fun that like I had as well when I was like fourteen. All right, but like I don't know after like eighteen, like what, what's the point? It has to be younger people. Yeah, my guess is that the average cheater in any of these online games has to be like ninety percent would be less than eighteen. Or to, to be fair, we were cheating. In high school, so eighteen and under, so it wasn't just well, we, it wasn't. We, we were we were bodying in Maple Story. All right, that was that. Was hacking? Cheat. That's cheating. That's cheating. That that, that we no, were getting something. Counter cool. Strike, Counter Strike, wall hacks. Yeah, we're like sixteen probably. Okay, so uh, yeah, and but, but I think you're right. People under eighteen and under are probably the majority of this group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's actually another uh, big battle royal game as well. Uh, just launched this last week. I'm surprised with how many people got cheat, you know, banned cheating in in a. Uh, PUBG as well. We don't see a bigger problem in a lot of free-to-play games. I mean, Fortnite, I'm sure there's cheaters there too. But I mean, I, I just haven't seen as big of a problem from my experience in, yeah. in Fortnite. That's a good question. How exactly is Fortnite fighting hackers so well? Because they're both, it's free. They're both on the same engine, right? Unreal. Uh, mm-hmm. They're both... Well, one is free, like you said, Fortnite. So presumably it should attract more uh, potential cheaters. I don't know. I don't know. My only guess is it's not in China yet, and China is where a lot of these hacks are made. That, that's where all the cheaters come from. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I linked to uh, Battle Royale on, on Steam charts. This is a uh, Battle Royale's take on uh, Battle Royale. And I think it's actually a little bit different as well. It's really cool to see a different kind of Battle Royale game. It's not just another FPS game. It's basically just Battle Royale with all the characters and, and the gameplay and the skill shots and just kind of mixed into Battle Royale. And I think it, it's, it's cool because it's different. It's not just another FPS game. And I think the Battle Royale core gameplay is really fun. So it's doing really well, too, considering it's a buy-to-play game. It costs, uh, it's on sale for $18 right now. Uh, the game will be just like original Battle Royale. It will be free to play once it launches. It is a bit weird that uh, Battle Royale Royale launched as a separate game, right? It's not like just the same. It's not a part of Battle Royale. It's a separate game that you'll launch. And I think that they did it so they can make money off it, right? Because they're, they're selling it for twenty bucks. I think that was a huge mistake. I think a, a couple companies have been making this mistake. For example, Paladins mm-hmm. launched Realm Royale as a separate standalone game, mm-hmm. uh, and it just it was popular for a while when it first launched, but then it plummeted. It plummeted. Mm-hmm. 
And I think MapleStory is making a similar mistake. MapleStory 2, they launched a separate client for the Battle Royale mode. A big mistake. Was, I, think, I think that was only during, uh, during like, pre-play, though. I think now, now I'm oh. pretty sure you can just do it in-game. That was, like, a special thing for before the game officially launched. You could just dick around with that, you know? Okay, um, either way, I think it was pointless. And I think even with this Battle Royale, Battle Royale, Royale I think it's not going to serve them well. I think it's better to just have it in one client. I don't know why they mm -hmm. feel they need to do it this way. Uh, watching Battle Royale looks really cool, though. Like, it's just literally Battle Royale, where everything is like individual skill shots with the characters. It's just it's just a MOBA meets, you know, a Battle Royale game. And it's doing. I, I'm surprised that they sold so many copies, again, to fill up like 4,000 players online right now, you know? Daily peak of 6,200 for a game that will be free to play at launch. It just costs money in early access. Uh, so I haven't tried this one yet, and I, I'm kind of reluctant to pay that because mm. I think I initially I purchased Battle Right. I did too. Yeah. Which I didn't regret. It was a good game, but I I feel like they're asking for my money again. Which I don't know. I don't I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah, I feel like if you bought the game, you should be able to play it. And if yeah. not, then maybe sell it to people that don't. But then they want to make money. They did they did it because they wanted to monetize their game. I mean, in six months, they said that they want to leave early access within six months. It'll be free to play then. So if you want to play and you don't want to spend money, you got to wait about six months. Well, looks like I'm waiting. <laughs> All right. uh, probably the same for me too. Even though, even though the game looks really cool, and I I I've, I've had a lot of value out of Battle Right. It's a game I've played for. Check my playtime battle right. I played for 167 hours in battle right, which is, which is which is not bad, not bad, not a bad chunk of change, rather more than most people on my friends list. Indeed. All right. Well, I got a quick um, Kickstarter story actually. All right, let's hear. It. I love Kickstarter stories. I love Kickstarter most. So this is one of the most beautiful things I've read this year so far. Uh, there's a game called um, I believe it's called what, Limit Theory. Okay, so infinite an infinite procedural space game. The guy six years ago, he raised over a hundred thousand, I think near two hundred thousand dollars, and he promised some kind of game like, uh, you know, basically procedure generated exploration game, kind of like that. What's that? What's that game? No Man's Sky, right? So he promised something like No Man's Sky, uh, and six years later, he he couldn't do it. He gave up, and this 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 uh, Kickstarter post about his uh, basically admitting defeat is a is a well worth reading. This is one of the best things I read. Uh, a few a few lines here uh, basically the story is when he started he was very optimistic he thought he could do anything he could make any game give me money I got it And but as the years went on he realized how hard it was to make a game right well what a surprise you know exactly. making a game is not easy not anyone can just put a kickstarter up raise some money and slap together a game whoa yeah and and, and uh, it's a real it's just, just a good story of the fall of man like his own his, his he's kind of hubris right he's struck down by his own hubris when he started six years ago he thought well, these other companies that make games, right? They have hundreds of people working on it, right? Uh, you mm -hmm. know, they have composers, artists, 3D renderers, and developers, coders, project managers, you know, like uh, executives, uh, people who, you know, HR departments, right? Yeah, you know what? I don't need all that. I can do it myself, you know, on internet. Hey. And obviously he couldn't, right? And uh, mm -hmm. just reading his emotional break, he's literally having an emotional breakdown in this post. Like, if you read this post, this guy mm -hmm. is having a total breakdown when he, he kind of realizes the fact he's human, he's, you know, He's, he's fallible, and it, it's really worth reading. And let me just find this one quote that I liked. This was supposed to be an MO, right? Yeah, well, uh, some kind of, I don't know. I'm not even sure about that. What kind of online game? Oh, man, I can't find the quote now. Do you remember that quote I liked to you? Yeah, let me find it for you. All right, uh, I'll, I'll give it out loud. Uh, the quote you, you sent me earlier and I thought was really powerful as well. It says, 
he he said no matter how hard I try, it's not enough to bring LT to fruition. And this pattern of failure has evicted all self-confidence and hope from my mind, leaving only doubts, anxiety, and despair. Beautiful. And then it goes on from there. Uh, Some days I think to myself, quote, how absurd that a game should make me feel this way. And I realize just how unfit I have become to build a source of joy. <laughs> Damn, this guy, is, this guy is completely defeated. Yeah. Now, real talk, though, that money he raised from the Kickstarter, is that all gone? It's all, for- well, not only is that money gone... In the article, he states he bankrupted himself personally. He put Oof. six years of his life into this game. Right? He, you know, he depleted all his personal resources. And he feels this great sense of shame and this weight of failure on him. And it, it is just... When I say beautiful read, I don't mean like it's a good thing, right? Beautiful as in like how powerful this read was to me. And like how... You, you can, you know, his, his emotions from it really ooze out. It's almost like you don't even feel that like that bad that people that I mean people back to the game aren't getting refunds, right? But like this guy bankrupted himself funding this game as well. So he really believed in it too. Which I think is a big positive too. Like he went all in on it too. So if he had just blown his founders' monies and that was it, I'd still call him an asshole. But he really I mean he he's clearly naive and he believed he believed in his story. He thought he could do it, and he bankrupted himself in the process. So even though no one's gonna get refunds, at least this guy got his own punishment anyway. You know, this guy he spent six years of his life trying to do something. And he spent a ton of his own money doing it too. So it's just oof, unfortunate. I like Zen Exile's comment. Altai sounds aroused reading uh reading this guy's this poor man's failure. It it kinda was uh, like it it was interesting, like to get a glimpse of like this like how often do you see somebody in this state of like just raw uh self reflection, right? So there's another quote from it. When I began this project, I felt that anything was possible. Here now, at the end. I must swallow the painful reality that I too am human. I am limited by time. I'm limited by finances and I am limited by mental and emotional stamina. So mm. this is like a, I honestly, it's probably a very profound moment of like self-development and growth for this guy. Cause you know, I think most people don't go through life and never having like this kind of self-reflection. Mm. And, and honestly, I believe a lot of these Kickstarters have only two ways to end up either like this guy where you're going to be honest. And you know, I was way over my head. I was just full of myself. I had no idea what I was doing, and I, I am just a broken man now. And I and I got, it will take me time to recover and learn from this. Or I think you go the route of um, Star Citizen, where you never admit this, right? And then this you, then then only your only choice to admitting your to you know to to bowing to reality is to just never bow to reality, just ignore reality, and then you kind of fold in on yourself and you become like that Star Citizen guy, where you just go around you know raising all this money, scamming people, and just keeping this ruse going for as long as possible. Uh, and then you become some kind of like crazy cult leader because you just you convince your psyche that of unreality and that, that that powers you to actually keep lying to everyone because if you fool yourself you can fool anyone right so it's it, it those are only two paths ref this guy self realization that he you know he can't do it or the path of just complete delusion into lunacy uh, of star citizen until you just blow up yikes and I think I think we're gonna see a lot more people arrive at this conclusion like you said. It is really bizarre to think that like people can slap together a Kickstarter page and raise like hundred thousand dollars and make a game when there's hundreds of employees to make these games. Like you said, the HR department, the artists, the composers, the programmers, the designers, the assistant designers, the producers. It takes so much work to make one of these games. It's absolutely insane that people can think they can, especially an MMORPG, one of the most complex, so many moving parts in the MMORPG. You you make a simple FPS game, put up Unreal Engine, and you can make a simple FPS game pretty easily. But to make a complex machine like an MMORPG or an online MMO, 
uh, with procedural generation and stuff what this guy was trying to do. It's it's an enormous undertaking. I'm looking at actually Star Citizen's page. They're up to 195 million right now. They're they are quickly growing up there. I think they're raising 1.5 million to two million dollars a month. They're gonna break the 200 million dollar mark soon. It's beautiful. It's beautiful to see, and I cannot wait for the stories of uh, when this when this project blows up on its face. I mean, I, I, I'm still not optimistic on, on Star Citizen. As I mentioned, no one plays the shooter modes of Star Citizen. It's pretty dead. Yeah, because the shooter mode was always supposed to be like some quote-unquote module. It was never supposed to be the main game. It was always teased as the main game being this persistent universe, this really cool persistent universe. And they've added these like half-assed like shooter games. They've added like this dogfighting mode and the shooter. But that was never the, the meat of the game. It's like saying, I want to make it a more RPG, which is actually pretty funny because this is what um, Asher Creation has done to a degree as well so far. You know, their beta showed off their PvP mode, PvP mode, which looked really cool, right? And the Alpha 1 was basically just showing off PvP. And the PvP looks cool, but that's not an MMORPG. This is like this arena PvP thing they set up. Like this, like, this, like, battleground. That's not an MMORPG. That's, like, something else, you know? The MMORPG component with all these other things attached to it are the cool things, you know? Having a persistent world star citizen with the dogfighting, with the FPS gameplay, with everything else is the cool part. Not just those pieces by themselves. You know, it's like, say you made an MMORPG and you're going to show it off and all you're showing off is like pet battling in World of Warcraft. Like, no, that's, it's cool to have pet battling in World of Warcraft, but that's not the game. That's not the bread and butter. Just like what we've seen from Star Citizen isn't the bread and butter. It's a persistent universe that puts it all together as the bread and butter. So I would love to see that happen with Star Citizen. And uh, until we see the bread and butter, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been wholly disappointed with, with what I've seen. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, somewhere it seems like at least you're still reserved in terms of, uh, a potential game coming out. I, I, I lost faith in that one because after watching that one video with the project management software they were using or whatever, yeah, they made a trailer out of that. And that's when I lost faith in it. I know. It, it just seems like the development of Star Citizen has become its own spectacle. You know, they yeah. do like these, all they do, they have like 10 different YouTube video series for like the bug squisher, the design, this artist guy. And like they, they have so much like production around like the making of Star Citizen. And and how how slow things are going. Like they they made a spectacle out of this, right? And they've had like four conventions already. Like there's so much happening that's, but we haven't seen the bread and butter happen yet. You know, nobody wants to play a 50 player shooter. Or a, that's not what's cool about Star Citizen. That was never the cool concept of the game. That was literally nothing. It was just it would be cool to have those within the persistent universe of them by themselves or nothing. And that's why for a long time I've never been too impressed with what I've seen for the game because they never shut off the cool parts of the game about the persistent universe actually working. Yep. And I'm also, you know, with you on like both with Asher Creation, with Chronicles of Valyria. Like they can show off parts of the game until I see the I'm actually more optimistic on Asher Creation than Chronicles of Valyria, for example, because they've already they raised a lot of money and they're they've hired a lot of people. It's a much much bigger scale than the this uh limit theory guy. So they could maybe still make something happen, but until I see the the actual persistent world MRPG, I'm not I'm not sold on any of this. Yeah. And actually I, I really think a lot of these early Kickstarters ruined it for everyone else. Uh, because mm-hmm. the default mode of a lot of you know people now is you know just super skepticism, super cynicism, mm-hmm. and it's unfortunate, but it's based on you know uh, a pattern that we've observed. Indeed, that limit theory guy though, what a what a powerful letter. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna skim through that. I'm, I'm gonna read yeah, through that. Yeah, later yeah I really myself. recommend you guys read through that uh, Kickstarter thing I posted. It's really good read and, and humbling. I mean, I respect this guy. You know, yes, he blew hundred eighty thousand. But, you know, it, it appears he tried, and that's all he promised you. You know, it's a Kickstarter. He's not promising you a game. He's promising mm-hmm. you the project he didn't try. So he blew the money. Uh, he tried. He's done. I don't think he should feel ashamed he's about wiped. it. He's wiped. Yeah, you he know, tried. Yeah, he should just dust himself off and live and learn. 
right, let's move on a bit. Uh, we got a little bit of loot box news. This, this this loot box controversy and whatnot has been pretty much been the topic of discussion for a lot of gamers for a while. We got some news out of good old Ireland. All right, they're EU, right? Ireland. They are. Yeah. Yes. And they basically said loot boxes are not gambling. Are not. I think gambling. it's gonna be this. And I think it's gonna be. The, I think it's gonna be the. It's gonna be the default position. I think for 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 the rest of the world. I mean, remember, I think a couple weeks ago you said EA basically doubled down on their loot boxes in like. What was it Belgium? In Belgium, yeah. So, I don't know. I, the outrage over loot boxes, I think, was a was a was a one and done kind of thing because we, we we've still seen you know. I, I I just don't see it going away. I hope it does. I don't know what if it will or not, but I really hope. This is one of the few times where a small nudge by the government can I think it have profound positive impacts on a whole industry. So whether legally it's gambling or not, I don't really care. If the government just decides it's gambling and bans it. It will force a lot of smart people currently in the gaming industry to instead of focusing on loot box content, geared content to focus on actual content. Uh, and if you know if we have to use the you know hammer of government to get that, I'm okay with that. I think the way it's done in Overwatch is a, is like almost like also I, th- I think the most successful games don't really use loot boxes either. I mean the but they use gotchas right? But like same thing. Gotcha. A lot of Western Western games don't really do gotchas right? And Americans like in, in Europe and the U.S. right? Gotchas have never really t- taken off anyway. Well, why? But why, why wait until it's too late? I mean, look how much money Fate Grand Order is making, right? Yeah, billion dollars a year, baby. It's sweet, ju- sweet. And, and it's like ninety eight percent in Japan, right? Yeah. So what? So obviously it works. So it, it, one day EA or Activision Blizzard is gonna wake up and be like, wait a minute, why are we spending like all this money making GTA Six right in development? Where it's going to be this amazing game with like cutting edge graphics. It's going to have all these features, all these different gameplay elements, online play, you know, persistent, you know, whatever, housing, whatever GTA 6 is going to have, right? Mod support, on all this crap. What? Why are we doing this? Let's just let's make a shitty mobile game where uh, you, you pay $1 and you open a garage door. And inside is either like a stupid broken, you know, sedan or like a Ferrari. It costs $1 per try. And it's a one in a billion chance to get a Ferrari. Or otherwise, you get like a Ford Focus. You know, like people are going to spend a million dollars opening that stupid garage doors and get, and do gotchas, right? But if the government just bans that, we, we continue to get these amazing, you know, great games. But, we, but, we, but, we, but we, we've been able to get great games in the West without banning it. Like, again, Overwatch, I think, is a beautiful example of how a responsible, good loot box system works, you know, where you got everything for free. You know, you buy the game, after you buy the game, you get uh, all, all the content in the game is free, all the gameplay is free, all the maps, all the heroes. And you can just choose to get cosmetics, and you and, and the game is so is generous with loot boxes as well. So it just seems like no, no, I, I understand, but but I think it's only because Activision Blizzard is too embarrassed to go all the way, whole hog. But at, every year that's on your road. Yeah, I, I do think though for sure a couple like Activision Blizzard is just they do think about their image when they when they design their cash shop. Whereas you see like a lot of mobile games, a lot of Chinese games, like the the, the game we talked about at the beginning of the podcast that uh, something of glory that uh, that, that random strategy game is maybe a company called Tap Fun. You know, do you think TapFun gives any Fs about their image? They're this Chinese company that churns out these these mobile strategy games left and right. You know, TapFun doesn't care. TapFun, Beijing technology company, gives no fucks about their image. They just want to, you know, make well, that fast, fast money. But then what happens when a company like TapFun is big enough to buy Activision Blizzard and then just milk the shit out of their IPs in a shameless way? Then we as gamers become sad. I mean, it's possible. Like, uh, just look how much money Fake Grand Order is making, right? It can, it can literally, yeah. how much is it making a year? Like a billion or something? A billion, billion dollars a year in revenue, okay. yeah. And what is the total market cap of like Square Enix? Like four or five billion. So in like, in like in six years, uh, Fake Grand Order. If, if it's all profit, yes. Yeah. They could do, yeah. like, they end up buying. What, like, company, like a yeah. leverage buyout of Square Enix and then milk all their crap. Like, so the, the point is, there's nobody to wait until it's, it's, it's like, you know, uh, it's done, you know? I mean, now it's time to fight against this nonsense before it, it invades the West the way it's invaded Japan. Like, why, why wait until it's too late? 
<sighs> but then it, it goes back to the conversation of like how how companies are allowed to monetize their games, right? With like free to play, and can you like in a free to play game, right? Are they allowed to sell power? Like forget loot boxes. Let's say we get rid of loot boxes, right? Can they just outright sell like power in a game? Like. I think if Fake Grand Order just like got rid of their loot boxes, for example, and just literally sold the, sold the, the five stars, yeah, like yeah. like five hundred dollars. Yeah, I, I, I'd be better. Like imagine there's a list, a store, you know, one star, two star, three star, four star, five star. The one stars are like you know one dollar, two stars are like five dollars, three stars are like twenty dollars, four stars are like a hundred, five stars are like two hundred fifty dollars. That yeah. I think would be better because you know what you're getting, you know what you're buying. You can play the game first, you can see how it is. Well, if I had this, I'd be having this much fun. Let me try it. Boom, bada bing, bada boom. Instead of this nonsense where people are just like on, on this never ending string. Trying to you know get the next thing. Hey, so, so, but you know you 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 know you, you wouldn't want to regulate like selling uh like powerful weapons in like video games like just pay to win no, stuff like fair and stuff. When the government gets involved in something, it should be in a very broad and simple move. So if you it should be a simple move that covers a broad range. It shouldn't be a micromanaging. So I, I'm mm-hmm. definitely not for the government saying, well you know like power you know you should only charge ten dollars for this store, twenty dollars for this thing. No, they should just ban the gambling element, the randomness element, right of the of the reward for the for I, money. <sighs> Again, it goes back. I actually like the randomness. I think it makes it, it makes it more fun. People like random. People some like people it. obviously some people have gambling problems. Exactly, obviously. they like it for a compulsive reason. They don't like it because yeah. like it's like woo zany fun we. Hmm. Also, it's a difference between Overwatch, right, where you're you're gambling for cosmetics which you cannot trade, and Fake yeah. Grand Order where you're gambling for a unit that will literally make it easier for you to fight to progress. Like yeah, you're you're you're, you're gambling for power versus gambling for accessories. Like for, yeah, for I, I mentioned before, you could be fake fake green or without spending a penny and using like the basic stuff. And I think as a core mentioned, as someone who plays the gacha games, the simple act of summoning is many times way more satisfying than the game itself. Uh, yeah, I, I think so too. I, I think people have this inherent like uh, interest in RNG, even if like, like without even being a problem. Okay, so here's here's kind of an embarrassing thing I did this last week. All right. I was playing Smash Brothers with my friend, right? Uh, I kicked their ass, obviously, because I'm, I'm fucking, I'm fucking god at Smash Brothers, right? A- after we start playing Smash, a- after we finished playing our game, we both played Game and Watch, right? Mister Game and Watch and Smash Brothers Melee. We literally took turns doing our B attack, our forward B attack, which is your hammer. It's a one to nine random RNG. If you get nine, it one shots the enemy. Otherwise, it just does some damage, right? And we just literally took turns slapping each other with our hammer that is one to nine, purely to see the RNG in effect and see who's got quote unquote better RNG. We, we, we found that we did that like three times and we, we had fun. People like RNG, even if there's like, you know, it's like, there's well, no gambling going well, on. That's, that's, okay, well, that's fine. Every game, has, every game has some kind of RNG yeah. in terms of that. It's, people like that. So well, as somebody in the chat, they, they, but, you know, summoning and doing the RNG is a fun part of the game. I think if you get rid of that, it does kind of detract, detract from the game. I, I get the point, though. If people have like compulsive gambling problems, they, we, we have to get those people away from gambling. The same way casinos do, right? Like, if you, if you have a problem, they should, you know, not let, they should not take their bets. You know, they should not allow somebody who has got a pattern of spending too much money to spend. You know, like maybe maybe after you spend a thousand, maybe after you spend five hundred dollars in any mobile game or any any PC game. Imagine you're playing World of Warcraft. You, you you buy transfers every week. You buy you know, gender changes, name changes. After a th- certain threshold of spending five hundred dollars, the game says, you know what? We, we need we need a proof of income. You know, we need to know you can support your habit. At a certain point, they should say, listen. You got to show us that you can afford this. And if you can't, you get cut off. There's a hard limit of maybe X amount of money per month. And everything beyond that is cut off until you verify yourself. I think that would fix everything well, without getting rid of the gamble. I think this is like a, the- maybe it's an ideological difference between us. Because I think the, the reason I'm for casinos and for gambling and for drinking alcohol or whatever is the logistics problem. It would cost more to, for the government to stop me from drinking this, right, than it would mm-hmm. from the benefit that we as a society get from people not overdoing this. But uh, if, if hypothetically we live in some kind of police state, 1984, you know, digital, everything is being snooped on, there's cameras in every single house, 
I, I'm okay with just banning casinos where the casinos are fixed house edge because that's a mm-hmm. no-win situation. And I, I'm okay with just totally banning that. The only reason I'm not for it today is because I think then you would have like underground casinos, people are going to go to loan sharks and get their head cut mm-hmm. off. Like that's the, the, the side costs are what make it me support it. So in a perfect world, I would just ban anyone from doing these gotcha games, not just people who can't afford it. I don't know. People have money to blow, let them blow it, you know? I'm all for it. I, I, Wake up! It's already 1984. I, I would disagree too with your 1984 situation because uh, it, it's a bit silly. I think to um, like you wouldn't ban like buying uh, a candy bar at the store, right? I would. Yes, that banned it, as well? No, I, I would ban I, that. In your would, world, in your ideal world, yes. alcohol is banned, candy is banned. Can, yes. I, can I can I buy uh, can I buy some can I buy some milk at the store? No, dairy is banned. No, the, milk is banned too. Dairy is banned. Dairy is banned. All, what all dairy can bar. I buy? What can I buy? Can I buy some Cheerios? You can't buy anything. There's, every house will have a supplement of soylent. Uh, it'd be like a goop from your sink. You get just the portion for your body mass index, right? And your nutrient profile. Uh, and then any any amount that you... Like let's say you post on social media things that are anti-government. Then they would, they would slowly cut back your ration, daily ration. So your, your caloric deficit would uh, force you to to comply without even you realizing it because you want more of that juicy, juicy soylent. Okay, okay. So for the record, Alta, this is your ideal world, right? We're, we're this, talking ideal, this, right? This is utopia. This is Alta's utopia, this right? Is, this is utopia. Interesting. Yeah. I think my utopia would uh, consist of many more, many more waifus and other good stuff. I'm not sure why Altai's utopia is very dystopian. <laughs> well, one my, my, the, the point I was trying to make is like when you when you whether you're gambling in a game or you're gambling in a casino, like when you gamble in a fixed rate casino, like if you're playing like blackjack or craps, there's like a two percent house edge, yeah. right? But when you when you buy a candy bar at a store, there's like a thirty percent margin on that. So like you're getting more quote unquote ripped off at the store buying a candy bar than you are gambling five dollars because. The house edge on that five dollar bet is literally two percent. That's gonna be like uh, like like ten cents, less than but, ten cents. But what are you buying? I don't understand. Like, what are you buying when you buy like a blackjack bet? Your a chance to win more money. That's what you're buying. Yeah, fun. You're buying fun as well. Entertainment right. value. Yeah. Why do people pay for Netflix? You know, entertainment. Why do people watch TV? Entertainment. Am I? Am I d- playing blackjack? You're gonna have a straight dopamine drip right in your living room. Okay. This is, this, right to your electrodes to your brain. You're gonna get zapped with uh, what? dopamine. I agree with this comment. One man's dystopia is another man's utopia. <laughs> Grissom, that is actually so true. Considering Alta is unironically telling us that his uh, his utopia is people, uh, everything is banned. You can only get soylent. The government monitors everything. Every every aspect of your life is monitored and controlled. Well, I didn't say government monitor. My ideal world, everything, everyone monitors everything. So, for example, uh, there'd be a camera in my living room, in my bathroom, my bedroom, right? Your bathroom too. Nice. Everywhere. Yeah. And anybody, it's all public. Anybody can see, can view anyone else's cameras anywhere in any room. So everyone is spying on everyone. But you never know if anyone's watching you or not. So, you know, that's the thing. And you, you, you can watch the president. Like, the president in his own Oval Office, there'd be a camera, and anybody could, you know, tune in. What would be the purpose of this? Uh, it would keep everyone uh, honest. Nice. All right. Yeah. Again, once again, this is Altai's uh, Utopia. Don't get my wife a folder, Altai. I know you want it. Okay. Interesting. Well, and here's the thing. If you have a wife a folder, right? Yeah. As long as you're okay with anyone knowing you have it, I, I respect that, you know, go for it, you know, jack off the tentacle point, right? But if, if, you, if, you, if you're trying to keep it secret from people, that means that's a problem, right? Then, then you have a neurosis, right? That's a problem. Interesting out there. So in, in my world, if, if the, guy, the guy who wants to watch tentacle porn, he will do it right in front of his computer, jacking off in front of everyone. He will, he will, no shame, baby. You know, he's good to go. And I, I'll respect that, you know? But the guy who's like, who stops watching tentacle porn because he knows somebody could be watching, now that guy shouldn't be watching it in the first place then. So you got to be committed, is what you're trying yeah, to say. Exactly. It would force commitment. Interesting. And I'm, I'm, again, once again, I'm not sure why this falls under your utopia. 
Okay, this is still a interesting environment you've painted for us. Thank you. It's 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 my uh, it's my dream, my dream world. <laughs> All right, let's move on. What else we got out there? Got anything? I got I got a funny story. Right, right, let's hear the funny story. Let's, hear, okay. let's, let's get a little more lighthearted after your dystopian nonsense. Well, you know what? This is actually a good segue because this, I, in my opinion, this is more dystopian than what I said. Okay. But this, but this is reality, boys. So Seattle Police Department introduces system to prevent swatting, only in America. So as you guys might know, swatting is a case of you know making a false bomb threat or something and saying somebody's doing something wrong. So the SWAT team shows up at their house. Often people target streamers like this. And somebody actually literally died. So it's a SWAT team broke in. The guy's confused and he's on his computer like, what's going on? He's probably turned around too quickly and the police shot him dead. Okay, so... Now, you can pre, you know, it's kind of like a TSA pre-check at the airport. You can pre-register yourself in your address with the with the Seattle Police Department saying, hey, I stream video games for a living, and therefore, I might literally die to the police when they get called, the SWAT team gets called on me. So I'm giving you a pre-heads up that, you know, this might happen to me. So if the SWAT team is called to my address, just know that it might be a false alarm. So please don't kill me at my house for no reason. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, this is more dystopian than than the, the than what i just you know talked about earlier because this is happening this is this is real <laughs> yikes at least there's a system for it now all right all right i'll tell you. we get we just register on there for your streamer easy or or here's a here's an idea the american police could stop shooting everyone you know in, in other there's a case in germany the, the police all the police in germany collectively fired 50 rounds in one year in america in one city in one case one police officer probably fires more than 50 shots <laughs> Fuck yeah, it's America! Amazing. It's amazing that this is real in America. Altai Runner twenty twenty four. Oh, and Pistol is a is a you know is a longtime streamer, and she's saying this is something she actually has to contend with in a, in mm-hmm. the U.S. She tells the local police they're you know address swatting, etc. And it's just a real dilemma for her. And I just it's amazing that this is this is and here's the funny part: how quickly we've acclimated to this. The fact that you know the swatting and people dying from this in America is kind of like part of life now. And, and you accepted it, I accepted it, everyone accepted it. Mm-hmm. But this is more insane than my camera in every room, in my opinion. I don't know about that, Altai. I I'm really think so. Gover- government rations of Soylent. If they post anti-government thoughts on, on, so- on social media, their, their little only source of food gets dwindled away through a deficit. And they start starving until they start posting good government things. And literally everything is monitored. I don't know about that, Altai. So you Okay, so that's one example, right? Cameras in all the rooms, dystopian Soylent, right? Now, versus, I can literally pick this thing up, this iPhone. I can call 911. All right, I can talk. I can say a few words. I'm not gonna actually dial. I can say a few words into this thing, and I can have twelve guys in full military, you know, machine gun gear show up at your house, boom your door down, like break it down, run and gun, guns, guns pointed, ready to shoot. Does a dog? Bam, he's dead. And you, you're next. Bam, you're dead. I can get that done with this phone in five seconds. That's dystopian. It's it's fucked up. I I don't think most instances of calling in a bomb threat or some other nonsense leads to people dying. You're going to be on the ground just pissing yourself with one of eight guys with M4s in full yeah, riot sure. gear. Yes, yes, the... but you're not going to die. That's Your dog's insane. dead. I get that. That's dog's insane. Gone. That's insane. What I just pronounced... Your dog's dead. I got Listen, it. If you, if you're not going to die. You're not going to die because you're white. But imagine you're a black guy. You know, you got like some like some like drug paraphernalia around you. You know, you got like a, a vape or something. And you, you're holding your vape, right? You turn around because you hear the door. Boom, you're dead, baby. Headshot. Gone. Woo. Woo. Yikes. Yeah, so this is well, obviously the- it's your fault for not reinforcing your door, like in uh, when you're playing Rainbow Six Siege, right? <laughs> Got to reinforce that door. You can't get in, you know. It's insane. I think that this is insane. That's what I my dystopian world. Interesting. 
Well, fortunately, I don't think many people die every year to spotting. It is obviously uh, unfortunate that they can do that. But I think every country in the world, if you call in like some kind of bomb threat, you know, pretty serious, you know, measures are taken. You know, I, mean, I don't know the process in other countries, what, but what measures are taken? I don't know. I don't know, man. This is a uniquely American problem. I feel maybe like Yemen or Somalia. If you're streaming in Somalia, props to you. <laughs> Good for you. You know. Good for you. Right. So, Canaris linked me this article. U.S. police kill more in days than other countries do in years. Uh, yeah, which makes sense. Yeah. So, okay, here, England and Wales combined. Population is 57 million. 55 fatal police shootings in the last 24 years combined. In the mm-hmm. U.S., uh, 59 fatal shootings in 24 days. <laughs> Impressive. <laughs> the first 24 days of the year. America, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That is unfortunate, but I don't know. Yeah, but anyway, my only point was this is quite dystopian. So my my dystopia is not that bad. All right. I think your dystopia is still pretty bad, and and, and our current situation is pretty fucked up too. Obviously, nope, nobody's dying in my dystopia. Mm-hmm. All right. Here, here's a here's a here's a fun conversation. Okay. Here's, I saw this post on Reddit the other day, and I thought it was pretty pretty amusing. Uh, basically, about a month ago, everyone was complaining about Black Desert Online being pay to win, and everyone's quitting the game, right? That was like a kind of a pretty common like mood on RMORPG for the game, and a lot of hardcore fans have been saying that they're done with the game with all the bullshit they're adding. The game's player base is up about ten percent over the over that time period, where everyone quote unquote quit the game for pay to win. This tells me that people really don't care about pay to win. You know, Black Desert has done a lot of sketchy pay to win stuff. I mean, the game has like. There's so much money you can just, you can pay for so many advantages in the game. Like currency in the game is like it's weird because like in World of Warcraft you can pay infinite amount of real life money for infinite amount of currency, right? But yeah. the currency in the game can only take you so far, right? You can you can buy like the best buying that equipped gear in the game. It's like item level 350 or some shit, right? It's not going to be enough to like completely carry the game. Whereas Black Desert Online, buying infinite amounts of silver in the game is enough to basically get you the best possible upgrades. Where silver plays a much stronger role in correlation with character strength in Black Desert than does in World of Warcraft. But and people are still playing. You know, it's not a problem for people. When people say they quit, but they end up, you know, sticking with the game. Well, I think it reminds me of that chart we showed. I think last week, mm-hmm. where um, so there's a pie graph with the total player population, right? And then mm-hmm. there was the percent that view the forums, right? Mm-hmm. Which was like ten percent, and then the percent that post on the forums, which was like one percent. Mm-hmm. So the same case here. The people on on Reddit uh, and online and the community Discord, etc., they're complaining about pay to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, are a you know tiny percentage of the population. Yeah, so, that's so fair. The noise to signal ratio is always off on these forums. Especially... But always, it still seems like people are they're so vocal about like changes to pay to win. But I think at the end of the day, unfortunately, because we as you know everyone playing the game, nobody really takes this hard stance. You know, maybe one or two people will quit, but like other people just aren't going to quit playing a game because of the small changes. And it really does feel like um a lot of games end up you know boiling the boiling the frog slowly. You know, if a game starts off very heavily pay to win. It's gonna, you know, maybe people won't play from the get go, right? Black Desert Online started off pretty decently, right? They, they they said they weren't gonna do a lot of things. You couldn't pay for advantages across the board, right? And slowly they added things that were more pay to win. In fact, they they added they added something to the game which they specifically said they removed from the English version because it was too pay to win, and it only exists in the Korean version because the Korean version was free to play. And they said because the American version costs money, they they're not gonna add this item because it's unfair. And they add that same exact item anyway. And they did, they did all these things slowly to a point where it seems like people just kind of accept it rather than doing it all at once. Yeah, I don't blame them. I, I think it's fine. It's whatever. Like, yeah. uh, 
so uh, like you said, uh, Black Desert is a pay to you know buy to play game in the West, mm-hmm. and I bet you, of the you know that's like everyone who paid for the game, right? Yep. Uh, as a percentage, I bet you the majority don't even know what the store looks like. They never clicked into the store icon. But most people don't spend any money. Is exactly, exactly. After you buy the game, after you play, you know, after you first make your initial purchase, the vast majority of players don't spend money. Yeah. So if you're if you're complaining about this, it already means you're kind of invested. So they yeah. know they know they got you. They got you. You know, like <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna buy that. You're gonna whine on the forums a little bit, but you're gonna buy. So I looked at the chart, by the way, that we mentioned before about people that actually complain. This is actually a really good way to um to look at people that actually engage with the developer through their official forums. This was for Battlefield Heroes. So look, look at look at a tiny percent of players that actually post on the forums, and the vast majority of players never share their views, which I think is also pretty interesting because a lot of people sometimes um, automatically assume whatever prevailing thought is on a forum or a subreddit is kind of like a prevailing thought for the entire game, which is actually very often not the case. So I think it's a very it's a big, like, developers often don't do things that the forum will say to do, or the player base, the vocal player base will say, you got to do this, right? And they won't do that because I think for the most part, developers are working with more information as well. They realize that a lot of their players, most vast majority of players will never engage in the forums. So they have to kind of intuit what they want without directly communicating with them. And it just, it's very easy to think like, oh, the obvious choice was to do this. Why did developers not do this? Because just because people on the forums are bitching about it or yelling about it doesn't mean it's the only thing. And most people don't really, you, you never get a good gauge of the player base from what, what's being said on the forums. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I, I will say, uh, you know, some pe- I think these stats roughly translate not just to official forums, but also things like, you know, Reddit. Subreddits. Yeah, yeah subreddits, subreddits. You know, Discord chats, whatever, whatever it is. Uh, it's a good representation of roughly of the engagement uh, on third-party sites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone's pretty, pretty silly. I mean, it's still remarkable to me that the, the mobile version of Black Desert Online makes like twice as much money, three times as much money as the PC version. Whew. I'm not surprised. I mean, consider the fact that the, the the addressable market size is you know maybe a hundred times. I know, but we've seen so many mobile games like like not every mobile game succeeds. We talk a lot about how like successful some mobile games are, but like so many are flops. Oh yeah. Nintendo yeah. launched a new one this last week. Uh, something really? lost. Regalia lost. Have you heard about that one? No, I never even heard about it. It's a new. They said they actually worked on developing this. They did it with side games, but uh, but they also. I'm pretty sure the Nintendo developers actually worked on this one too. I think it's an original IP, and it just it it just it. Didn't do very well. It made three million dollars in the first five days, trailing all the Nintendo's first releases. Wow! Do you have a trailer or something? What's it called? Regalia? Uh, Dragalia Lost. I think. Dragalia. I think it's a single player game. Oh, Let me show you the, the numbers on this one. I never. I mean, it, it might be. It might have a co-op elements that you've seen, like a lot of gotcha games and whatnot. So, but here's another question too: like, how do how do developers then understand what their player base wants? Because clearly, you can't just listen to the vocal minority on forums. You always hear very certain views on the forums. And from my experience, games don't really poll players. Like, and, and the games that try polling players, I know Blade and Soul try to ask their players all the time like what they like, what they don't like. Most players just close that shit out. They don't want to do the poll. They don't want to do the polls anyway. So the, so few players are actually trying to communicate what they want. Like, how do you actually gauge what your audience wants? You know? I think the best way to do that is actually look at what they're doing in the game. Yeah. Exactly. Which is why we've seen like um like every MMORPG get more casualized, right? Because they realize the percent of players that, that complete savage content or, or mythic content is so tiny that a lot of resources go towards developing other parts of the game beyond just raiding, you know, because they see players don't do that, you know? Like, adding more mounts, adding more, like, uh, mid-tier dungeons, adding everything else but raids ends up being a better source of, you know, things for players to do. So, obviously, I think it's still good to have the high-end raids, which is why they keep adding them, but, you know, it, all their resources aren't going there for a reason. 
and they did you know they what, what's kind of annoying to my one of my pet peeves is like a lot of people kind of assume like oh the developers are effing retarded they didn't do this right and i always assume like it, it's weird from for our perspective as gamers to like really call out a developer for doing something dumb because we, we never have the information they have right because very often i don't think they're just acting so stupidly right like a very indie company that makes one game there's a staff like four people yeah you know they could make a lot of dumb dumb mistakes right but like it, when, it, when a studio is like a multi-billion dollar studio they've made dozens of games before they know how to run an mmo like generally they're working with more data than we see as players so for the most part i almost always give companies the benefit of the doubt when they make a decision and like I'm, I'm gonna hope it's not brain dead retarded it, it really is as brain dead you know as people say it is that makes sense yeah and, and actually this is one of the main complaints i have with path of exile i think they mm-hmm. cater too much to their top one percent of players but they mm-hmm. they keep adding this you know end game content there's more like this ways weird build and stuff but the problem is i feel like 80 percent of players don't finish the, the you know the 10 act main quest story yeah right because and, and the, the pacing is so bad with the actual uh the one to like level 80 experience in path of exile it, it's never gotten better like in the past you know five years uh, i've been playing the game on and off it's it's nonsense what i do now is i wait i wait like a month into the new act to, to the new league and i get one of my friends to give me some charity welfare gear like the hell right? yeah get that welfare and, gear and then from level one to 80 right i use like level five to 80 i use a i use that charity gear without even looking at, without picking anything up without you know i just speed through mm-hmm. the content and that the game really begins at eighty. That's when like ninety percent of the new content opens up. But, yeah. But if they if they focus fifty ten percent of the effort they put into the end game into the base game, their player base I think could be ten times what it is today. And I really hope that with ten cents money, uh, in the next couple of years they really put an emphasis on the new player experience and kind of make the progression more linear. That's interesting perspective though. I do think uh games and more RPGs especially and most should focus more on making the early and mid game yes. content more like, add new early game content, if that makes sense, right? Because MMORPGs need to grow, otherwise they die. Because people, there'll be always be a natural rate of churn. People burn out of a game. If you stop attracting new players, the game is going to die. And, you know, people know MMORPGs are very unapproachable. And everyone, it's, it's like a meme on RMORPG, you know, the game begins at endgame. So it's weird that we, we don't really see a lot of, you know, new early game content, right? Like, early game content is viewed as stale content. It's stuff that's like, hasn't been touched in forever. And yeah. it's really weird when you keep piling on new content at the end without touching up anything at the beginning. It very quickly realized, like, you know, the pacing gets completely thrown off when they change the XP curves. You're way ahead of where you should be. It, there's no sense of difficulty. It really it screws, up, screws up the entire early game process. Like They got this thing to spice up that early game by adding new content or new side missions or new just something to do in the early game that, that's, that's somewhat fun. Obviously easier said than done because no one's done it. I actually think Final Fantasy is the worst at this. The early game blows. Everyone knows the early game. Yeah, they're, no. they're, they're, their lead producer says it blows. But, but, yeah, the early but, game. But they're, they're doubling down because in a lot of games, like you said, like in WoW, if if you choose to level one to you know one to one you know one twenty, as you level a lot faster than the content, right? So you can just skip it. Yeah, yeah. But at least you can skip it then. Whereas, you can skip it. Exactly. Yeah. There's there's a main storyline in Final Fantasy which you must do, right? And that gates how quickly you can do it, and it's just absurd. There's absolutely no reason for that. Hmm. Yeah, it's 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 odd. It's very odd. And, and whereas World of Warcraft, Guild Wars, like all these other games, give you free level boost when new expansion launches, right? Mm-hmm. Final Fantasy doesn't do that. You know, they want you to do all the story content. They want you to level up everything on its own, which is, which is, I think, I think they'll lose a lot of players because of that. Yes, I think so. I think it's very difficult to get a new player in. Uh, but for, I think for every MMORPG is like that, but more so for Final Fantasy. Yeah, and, they're the worst. But, but what's the solution? Though? How can we make that early game experience more engaging? 
Whereas right now it's a chore that you have to do before you can. Like, you know, you can't have fun in Final Fantasy until you get to late game. I had some fun at the beginning, and there's some story. The story part is kind of cool. Like the, the story can carry it to a degree, but you need more than just the story. I, I had to feel invested in the way that like it's weird because one of the most lingering feelings when playing an MMORPG, any MMORPG, is every player knows that any loot they get playing the game is Worthless. until max level is utterly garbage. You can, it is impossible to get useful gear or useful loot or anything of value in before your max level in an MMORPG. That's one thing you got to fix. Make it so a new player who starts playing and does dungeons, does the quest, there's a small chance to get like a world drop for a cosmetic or something, right? Some kind of loot that like, like I don't even look at loot in world in, in, uh, in Final Fantasy XIV. When I'm doing like leveling dungeons or whatever, I don't even look at any of the loot that drops. I click skip, skip, skip on everything. I pass on everything without even looking at it because there is nothing that could possibly drop there of value. Whereas, at least like maybe in Path of Exile, one good thing about Path of Exile and Diablo games is you can find uniques that are actually valuable. In Path of Exile, you can find like those orbs even from the, pretty early on that are useful. Right? You can actually get gear that's useful. You just can't in World of Warcraft. You cannot in Final Fantasy. It just you got to be able to get something in the early experience that keeps you on your toes. It looks forward to looting stuff, right? Because looting and collecting items is a fun part of an MMORPG, but it's all uh, backloaded. It's all done at the end game. There's nothing in the early game for that, which I think is a big fundamental design problem. Honestly, I think at this point, uh, with a lot of these games, like Final Fantasy and WoW, it's actually easier probably to make new content than renovate the old content. Yeah, probably. I'm not sure how it is in Final Fantasy, but in WoW, the old zones... The graphic quality, the de- attention to detail is much lower than the new zones, right? Which makes sense. Technology has moved a lot in 10, 20 years, you know, 15 years. So a new player who wants to start at level one, let's say, the world he is seeing, right, is is a lower quality than the world of, you know, the, the, the new stuff yeah. available in 2018. So it's like a double whammy. You're punishing him for wanting to see the whole game, right? Yeah. I, honestly, I, I would rather than just burn it. I would literally want an expansion to say something like, "Well, there was a giant like global warming and fucking Azeroth sunk." Okay, and there's no more. There's no more Goldshire. Stormwind's yeah, gone. It's gone. All it's, that new, all the old shit's gone. It can't go there anymore. It's literally it's gone. And the only way to experience it would be like some kind of classic server or something. Yeah, a progression server or something. You know, uh, mm-hmm. and then that's it. That's it. I, I I really no other. I have no idea what they can do to just. The only time people go back in the old world now and WoW is like to, they do the transmog runs. They run like old content for a chance. Yeah, to get the gear. Yeah, but like they're intentionally doing like this low, you know, graphically low quality uh, you know, in terms of um, difficulty, low quality, like everything. It's just it's just nonsense. It's just a bad way to, I think. Yeah. It's just bad. I don't know. It's unfortunate, but it's somebody's got to get a good solution. And I don't know if it's where they're burning everything or something else. Global but warming, sink it all. Global warming, and the early game has got to be completely revamped to be actually to be actually fun. Because I, I didn't really I didn't really start enjoying myself Final Fantasy fourteen until until I got the end game. Indeed. All right. Well, one one other quick thing I want to talk about uh, before I forget. Hmm? So, this seems to be a graveyard of many many tech companies, but Google is not quitting. Google is trying to do one of those streaming game things where you can play on your browser at, at, at like 4K you know, resolution, and they're calling it Project Stream. So I'm going to play a video here from the official Google YouTube account. Mm-hmm. And they're, in this, they're showing off the new uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey game. And they're saying you can play this game at 1080 at 60 FPS uh, via Chrome. So on your Chrome browser, Ooh. you can play this uh, with these settings. And honestly... I've heard this song and dance so many times now. Every yeah. year we hear about a company trying this. And every year we hear another one shutting down and giving up. And I really don't think we're here yet. I don't think we can do this yet. 
I mean, if Google was doing it now, before we've had a lot of shitty companies talking about this. I know Sony's been probably the biggest company that tried doing it with Gaiki, whatever it's called. But this is a, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of companies promise streamed gaming through browsers for a long time. I think if Google is behind it, it's good. And I think it's going to be really good for PC. If, if this ever catches on, it's going to be really good for PC gaming. It will bring a lot more casuals into the fold for PC gaming. I, I disagree, actually. I think if this actually works, it'll be the death of PC gaming. Because then you could just have your PS4 under your TV, and it can, if it can play everything for the next 20 years, because it's just a browser, why mm-hmm. would you need a PC? Right? Like no, the, the problem with PC, a lot of PC gamers have weak PCs, and they can't play these games. No, and designing a PC game is still different than designing it. I mean, it would also, it would, it would definitely eliminate the need for like a like PS4 and Xbox and Switch. It could all be one, you know, you did different no. branded devices. Well, you would just have like an Apple TV or one of those yeah, like Chromecasts, and then you would just never need to buy a PC. Sure, yeah, but, but you have a mouse and keyboard. That's fine. You can still play the games however you want then. I think oh, yeah. it'd be good for gaming as a whole. Oh, okay. For gaming as a whole, yes. But I think it would not be good for PC gaming because it would mm-hmm. eliminate the need for a PC, <laughs> you know? Yeah. If anyone can do it, yeah, as, as Vala Yonan said, if anyone can do it, it's going to be Google. You know, they have a lot of money, a lot of muscle. They, you know, they, they could potentially actually make it happen. I mean, we've seen this fail so many times. But we'll, I mean, they're doing it with a big big budget game too, so it's interesting. I am so jaded and cynical that I'm going to call bullshit. Just, yes, Google is a big company with a big name, but they have so many failed projects under their name, and there's no reason to think this won't be another one. You know, Google Google shuts down new, you know their projects every week. You know, It's something Google's shutting down. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm glad they're trying it. I guess whatever tech they develop for this will be useful for the you know industry as a whole. But I am very skeptical that this will ever be a thing. That's just a pistol legend that there's gonna be some you know milliseconds of delay in between inputs and stuff. You know we've seen even like low low latency streamers on Twitch. They have, there's there's a noticeable input delay, right? Yeah. So we'll see. I mean we'll see how that ends up working. You know it could it could be really wonky for multiplayer games. It could they could they could kind of compensate for that in single player games. I've seen. I've played a couple of these games on single player through this kind of cloud gaming technology, and it feels like it works. We got to see it on, you know. This is this is horseshit. All right, I'm gonna prove to you, everyone listening. If anyone thinks there's a remote chance of this working, I'm gonna prove you wrong. Let's uh, hear it all. Silver bullet. Load the revolver. All right, ready? It's loaded. Okay. How many times when you're using your cutting edge i7 1080 GTI computer, you have like maybe like eight Chrome tabs open, and it just slows to a crawl, and you gotta restart Chrome or restart the computer. Chrome does that shit all the time. There's okay, memory so leaks and stuff. If Chrome cannot handle freaking eight uh, Reddit tabs open and maybe like one YouTube tab open, right, without coming to a complete standstill once a day, what makes you think they're going to stream this on top of, you know, the Reddit and YouTube video you got open? No chance. Know, There's no fair, chance. Fair. It, it could definitely, I, I could definitely see crashes like that happening pretty oh often. My, it's just going to lag and like destroy your computer. I mean, it's a RAM problem because of the memory leak or something through Chrome. Look. It's this or that. They, they're going to blame something. All I know is Chrome can it barely... Happen. I'll, Chrome, I'll, I'll ain't buying it. I'll Chrome ain't buying cannot it keep a freaking subreddit tabs open, okay? It, this ain't going to fly. <laughs> Let me tell you. We'll see. We'll see. I, I hope it does, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. yeah. I hope I'm wrong. You know, I, I have nothing to gain by being right here. I'm not, like, shorting Google here, so I, I hope I'm wrong. I, I, got, I had a genius idea for, for another way for Square Enix to monetize. And World of Warcraft could maybe do this if they had housing. I'm pretty sure World of Warcraft... They have those garrisons, right? But no actual housing World of Warcraft, right? They had, they had garrisons, but they abandoned that. That was the last... Yeah, that, that was a really shitty idea, honestly. I, I saw yeah. them and it just never seemed like a good idea, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, if you have housing in the game... So think, like, Final Fantasy XIV, like, persistent housing, right? In the in, Well, they're in instant zones, but in those zones, they're persistent, right? Bunch of houses in that area. Imagine in the cash shop for Final Fantasy XIV, right? Or any, or any MMORPG with uh, persistent housing, right? You could buy... An arcade machine 
in that arcade machine, you buy Final Fantasy One. Yeah. So you you, so you place this? it in your house. How cool yeah. would that be? You, be so great. anyone that walks by your guild house or your personal house can go on your arcade machine and play Final Fantasy One, whatever game that the company that makes the game owns. You know, like like obviously Elder Scrolls Online with their housing. Maybe you can buy like Elder Scrolls One or you can play Fallout One from an arcade machine. It costs like twenty bucks to put it in your house in the game. Anyone that walks by can play it there on that like, arcade machine in the game. They can make, they, there would be houses with like every single arcade machine. People love like collecting games, right? And I could see everybody like buying like five different games just to put in their house for decoration, even though nobody will ever see their house, right? Because like people don't look at all the houses; they just go to their friends' houses, right? In the game, so they could make a ton of money just just selling arcade machines for all the old games they have. And I, I think Animal Crossing did this, right? And I think in Animal Crossing, you got in your house, you could have. Yes, um, you could, yeah, I remember you put some basic mini games. That was like basically a single player game too. Yeah, yeah, I know, but it's a, it's a cool concept. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm actually baffled that WoW doesn't allow this yet. When you right-click a profile uh, of somebody, there's like an option like invite to party, duel. Mm -hmm. Why isn't there an option called challenge to Hearthstone? And in, in the client, a literal window pops up because you're on the same Battle.net account anyway. You that's can, actually genius. You can literally challenge somebody to Hearthstone. Holy fuck, that's genius. Why have they done that? I don't know. I, I really Both players have Hearthstone installed. Yes. That option should be available to everyone yeah. in the game. It's you click on it, it's a shared account. It's the game and you play. It's a shared account. I, just, I don't see any reason why they can't do it tomorrow. Little things like that I think would make, uh, like, it'd be such a good thing for MMORPGs too because, like, just being able to, like, sometimes you're just waiting for something to happen, right? Waiting for everyone to come to a location. Yeah. You just play Brady Blue and Hearthstone in the game. Yeah. That's a fucking genius idea. Mind blown. Like, like Wild Raid. Stop you, Dad. Wow raids literally take like 30 minutes sometimes, you know, if you're just sitting around. Imagine you're sitting, you're waiting for everyone to, you know, come. You can literally challenge someone in front of you to a Hearthstone match. And, and people around you could like right-click to inspect and watch, you know, like, oh man, play that card, yeah! It would just it would be amazing. No, I, 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 the problem is their hard their card game. The card game kind of suck. Yeah, yeah. There's, there are games like this with uh with built-in card games. I know Final Fantasy has a built-in card yeah, game. Yeah, you right? can challenge with like triple try and stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's not a new idea, but it's just amazing how integrated Blizzard has it all ready to go, right? They have Hearthstone. They have it all in one account. They have it in the same launcher. So it, it's the same universe. Like, you know, Hearthstone is the WoW universe. So it's, it's just yeah. ready to go. I like it. Make it happen. I'll tie for Blizzard CEO. All right. Yeah. There you go. Everyone buy one stock of Activision Blizzard and vote Altai as new CEO. All right. Make it happen, boys. It'll be a fluke. We'll write him in. That's right. All the board seats go to us. All right. With that, I think we go to the post game. Unless you got anything else, Altai? Uh, no, no. We'll keep talking a bit in the post game. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Thanks for listening, guys. And... All right. Thanks for watching, everyone. Post game time. Post game time, baby.